and uh, while well, we're enjoying Easter here, have a great time. See? <laughs> Just to give you the heads up on the next few Sundays coming, what the plan is at least. Um, so we call this Thanksgiving Sunday where we're just trying to say thank you for what the Lord's done um, I, I, with us the last few years. I have some testimonies in just a moment. So if you're, if you're queued up for a testimony, we're going to get you up on your feet in just a moment. Um, next Sunday, Adventure Sunday, where, yeah, where we're really going to get to the heart of, um, I feel like, the kind of spirit that, that's going to need to mark us as a church if we're going to really run into all that the Lord wants in these next few years. I'll unpack from the story of Jonathan and his um, armour bearer. It's a great story. So that's that. The following week, the 10th of April, is Deacon Sunday. Yep, yep. Well, I'm going to preach on what deacons are, and then there will be a, like a kind of box, a box and some paper at the back. And for the, ne- and for the next three Sundays after that, you get a chance to put forward who you think should be deacons in the church. Um, and then, obviously, as elders, we've been doing some talking ourselves, and we get to just kind of bring those two things together and try and find God's heart in that. So that will be, um, and then we'll be looking to, to announce that in the May family meeting. So, uh, and then we'll probably look to start a new Sunday series, i.e. going through a book of some kind um, in May after Easter. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, so it's Thanksgiving Sunday. We want to say thank you for all that God's done with us. So uh, a wonderful way to fuel thanksgiving is uh, testimony. So if, the, uh, if those who are sharing testimonies could please just come up now all at the same time and then we, c- we can form an orderly little something and uh, get you guys speaking. So that's great. Brilliant. So it's, okay. It's good. Yeah, let them, let them feel the love. Let them feel the love. Okay. So we want to, um, we want to record, we want yeah, we can record them on that one, can we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Okay, fine. Oh, what am I just going for? Introducing myself, yeah? I don't get an introduction these days. Well, I'm Matt Fox. Nice to meet you. No. Um, okay, so I've been asked just to um, testify for a couple of minutes about what God's doing um, amongst the youth work. Um, so many of you probably don't know, but every Friday um, between 6.30 and 8.30, there's a team of us that go out to a couple of local estates um, just behind the Irish Centre, kind of focusing in on one estate in particular called Maiden Lane. And I guess I want to testify to two things. One, to God's, um, God's heart for our obedience and to how God answers prayer specifically. So God says, go and make disciples, doesn't he? Yeah. So that's exactly what us, a little team of us did. We just went with that premise. We didn't really know where God was leading us, what he was going to do, but we knew that God said, go and make disciples. We didn't have any teenagers in the church. So we just thought, let's go every Friday and get to know some of the teenagers and see what God does. Now, we're on a journey and we haven't got any teenagers from our outreach on Fridays in the church yet. But what God is doing is an incredible thing on the estate. So we've been going out for nearly a year now, and there's probably about 12 to a dozen to about 20 teenagers that we know really, really, really well. 
and the momentum that we've built up over consistently going back has just been incredible. Um, the resistance when we first went was massive. These, the teenagers, they were very hard-hearted. They were rude, stubborn, obnoxious. They gave us such a hard time. We made it very clear that we were Christians from the start. Um, you know, with Bibles in pockets, we're from the local church, we've come to befriend you. It was such an alien thing, they thought it was so weird. But we kept, we kept going back every Friday, and by the grace of God, he's really honoured our obedience and keep, keep on going, keep on going. No, God says go, go and make disciples, and that's what we're doing. And you know what? The journey has been incredible. The transformation so far has been just a privilege to watch, really. Um, the, the heart's they are being so softened. The Holy Spirit is really doing a great work amongst a lot of these teenagers. And now they're there waiting for us to come onto the estate every Friday. And every, every Friday, without fail, we have such a fun time with them. We just play football. We share life. We have, you know, play fights. We're, we're talking. They're sharing about their life. Really detailed specifics about, you know, broken relationships with their parents. We've had opportunity to pray with some of the young people, um, to talk about what Jesus would say about certain aspects, really share our heart of the gospel with them. Um, and they're just, they're kind of lapping it up and they're, they're really happy and really comfortable now talking about it. So this coming Friday, we're actually going to be taking a, a group of them, God willing, to, um, we're going for a, to a bowling trip. Just take them off the estate and, um, and see what God does. Just, just building, building and building. So God's really honoured um, obedience to go out. This was great. And about three or four months ago, we decided let's start praying really specifically because we know that God's attentive to the cry of the righteous, isn't he? Yeah, so we thought, okay, let's pray, but pray specifically. So what we do is when we gather together, I would sort of, I would just pick on someone in the team and I'd say, okay, what would you like to see this Friday as we go out? And then maybe it's, okay, this Friday, I would like to see relationships form with new girls. So then we pray, okay, God, we want to see relationships form with new girls. Let's just pray for that together. So we pray for that and we go out and, and literally every single Friday, God has specifically answered our specific prayers. I mean, right to the dot hasn't he, guys? Who, there's a few of you who, who regularly come out, and I think you, you, you're nodding away with me. It's, it's incredible. Like When we want to see old people that we haven't seen for ages, we pray, God, I want to see Jamie again, and I want to see Alex, and then Jamie and Alex would appear, or God, I want to I wanna see this or see that, or meet the, their parents, and, and, and God answers. He answers, and he answers. It's exciting, and the favor that we've seen on that estate is just it's, it's, it's something else as well. It's really great amongst the parents, amongst the children. It's more than just the youth work. I mean, God's, God's kingdom goes so far, doesn't it? It spreads right out throughout the whole batch of bread, the little yeast, and it grows and grows. And, and God's just honoring our obedience going out. So I just want to testify, really. God hears prayer, and he honors obedience. I just wanted to um, give a testimony of how... Can you hear me all right? Of how um, God's been working and moving in my workplace um, which he has been doing over years, but specifically recently he's been really moving. And um, there's just a passage here that I'll read out quickly that rings true. Um, it says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Um, and what I wanted just to pinpoint in this was um, that we cannot be shaken when we're in him. And um, my workplace is, some pla is a place where I feel safe and I've 
got good relationships and I've been blessed there and um, it recently got shaken up loads but God didn't shake me and gave me peace in amongst all the trials that came my way um, so I'll just give you a snippet I don't want to keep you too long but um, yeah about six months ago I asked I felt God say to me that he wants me to invest more time in music um, so I asked to go drop my hours at work to three days a week and because the nature of a charity where I work is always very busy and kind of got put to the bottom of the pile. Um, but then in February, my manager was like, right, we need an answer. We've got to push on this one. So she came back and the boss who decides is this very um, efficient businesswoman. And she um, basically said outright, no, it's never going to happen. Um, so I kind of went back to God and I was like, OK, I don't really know what to do now, but it's in your hands. Um, and meanwhile, a storm kicks off and I just get thrown by just uh, I guess hit upon hit of just things going wrong and because I look after like a, a patch, a Lon the London patch basically, it was all happening in London because of a colleague of mine who kept making mistakes and it turned into a kind of a war zone of just batting off complaint after complaint and then manager after manager and just trying to protect her but also yeah, sort the whole situa situation out and then it got to management level and then chief exec level and then the president who founded the charity got involved and um, he's got a bit of a temper. Um, he's, he, I've got a lot of respect for him, but he's got a bit of a temper and he needed to spend it and, and it came to someone that had to take it and so I had to call him up. Um, and I think the first few words were something about spitting blood. He was really angry um, and it was pretty horrible. And by the end of it, I was... Um, I put the phone down and then I got really upset. And um, my manager then took it to another level and that was all fine. And then so amongst all this, everything's happened. Then this girl gets sacked and everyone's crying. And it's just, it's just been a really horrible few weeks. And I've been under a lot of pressure. Um, but God's given me peace through it all. Um, and then the next day I go in and this really hard manager calls me into, into a meeting. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. And then she just, something changed. And basically, God changed her heart. Um, and she just changed into this, uh, or her attitude towards me changed completely. And she was just another person. And she just spoke really nice words over me and said, um, I really, well, I can't remember what she said, but she just said really nice things. And basically said, I've changed my mind. I don't change my mind, but I've changed my mind. And I want you to go down to three days a week. And you can start whenever you like. Which is amazing. And God just totally changed her heart. So that was the first miracle. And then, um, meanwhile, things are kicking off with the chief exec. And I didn't realize that there's some kind of mini war going on between the chief exec and the president who founded the charity. And they're trying to sort stuff out. And they've kind of put me in the middle of some kind of pawn and using me to, I don't know. Anyway, I got really frustrated. And um, I said to the chief exec, I really don't want to get involved. And he was like, do you know what? It doesn't matter. We've got to protect the charity. And you're an example. So we have to use you as an example. And if that means you have to sacrifice your relationship with the president, then that's fine. So I was like, OK, just do whatever you have to do. And I just felt a bit uncomfortable about it. But I just had to go with it. And um, Susie and I were praying the other night with our other housemate. And I said that I said about it. And um, Susie had a word from God to say, um, do you know, God's seen the injustice here and he's going to act on your behalf. You don't have to do anything. He's going to sort it all out for you. And I kind of was like, okay, I'd like to see this one. And um, I'm so glad he acted so amazingly so quickly. The next day, um, in my inbox, in pops an email from the president, Alice, basically everything sorted. Don't worry about it. It's all forgotten. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> he sorted everything out. I didn't do anything. I just kind of, yeah, 
he he was amazing and he changed people's hearts and he can change anyone's hearts even people with tempers like that um so yeah and he's good hey i'm i'm ted um and <laughs> um, i'm at uni here um and just a bit of backdrop to my story um i lived in hong kong for a year last year um and when i left for hong kong i felt like i left all my friends and family um, and when I got to Hong Kong, um, I was reading, hold on, um, where, uh, in Mark 10 when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, um, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred um, times as much in this present age um, and in the age to come. Um, and he really was faithful to that promise um, and he gave me family. Um, and I don't think I've ever known family like that. Um, and then I had to come home. And actually it was a lot, I think almost 10 times harder leaving Hong Kong than it was going to Hong Kong. Um, and when I came back very reluctantly, um, I wanted to go back, um, but couldn't um, for complicated reasons. Um, and then, yeah, so then I ended up coming to London, um, yeah, very reluctantly. Um, and ever since then, I think, or for a while, I felt very lonely, like I didn't have a family um, and kind of felt like I was wandering a bit. Um, and then I came here. Um, and I feel it's weird that I've only been here about seven weeks, I think. Um, but I feel like God's just given me a spiritual family. Um, and I feel, I don't know, when I come here, I feel like I've come home. <laughs> Sounds really cheesy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's really true. And so I'm just so, so thankful um, for you all. Um, and you've, well, God, through you, have just blessed me more than you could know. Um, and how's that say? I can't remember what else I was going to say. Um, no, it's gone. Uh, I'll leave it there. But yeah, thank you. And thank you, Jesus. Great. Thanks, guys. Um, just makes you want to give thanks, doesn't it? You know? Just, um, yeah, Father, thank you for all that you do in people's lives. When we meet up like this, but. There's so many, many more hours in the week and so many other complicated things happen during those hours. But thank you that you remain the same then as you are now. And even though it's sometimes scarier then than it is when we're all together, that you are the rock. And just thank you for the way that you've shown yourself to be that, in, in, even in these lives that we've just heard about. Give you the glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we just want to take the opportunity uh, to, to, to thank God for that he's got us as a church this far tonight and really ask the question, how have we got this far? <laughs> how have we managed it? How have we managed to still be here? Which is quite uh, amazing. Really. Some, some church plants don't, is the sort of harsh reality, really. You can't just presume upon the fact that things are going to go um, well. Now, so I want to try and locate maybe some areas whereby... Um, we can be not just encouraged but about what God has done, but it can, it can help us to make sure that we're in a good position for the future. Now, it's all God's grace, okay? Um, th- those guys aren't offended, by the way. They had to, they had to go, so it's fine. <laughs> so it's yeah, they're all right. So it's always just the avalanche of God's grace. How, how, did we, how have we got this far and we're still here? God's grace, yeah? yeah? We all know that, don't we? Of course we do. And yet, actually... God manifests his grace in various ways. God gives us means of grace, which means he gives us things uh, that we can do. Um, He gives us people in our lives that we can relate with, etc., that are are a means of his grace 
to us and that we can learn from. And I want to look at some of those things um, today. And I want to look at that by looking at a story in the book of 2 Chronicles. So if you've got a Bible with you and you're brave enough to try and find it, um, it's, it's quite near the front. Um, if you get lost, shout out where you are and I'll tell you forwards or, forwards or backwards. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles is a great book, by the way. It's, it's not just lists of names. Um, there are some lists of names. But there's some incredible stories. and Wow, it's really, I read it recently and I was, I was so encouraged by it. So I'd encourage you to... It's probably worth actually, if you, if you want to do some real good Old Testament reading to say to yourself, why don't I just start from 1 Samuel and work right through. Samuel 1-2, Kings 1-2, Chronicles 1-2. It's just rich and, and helpful. But anyway, we're going to pick up in, um, in the reign of King Jehoshaphat. He was, one of the, he was one of the kings of Judah, one of the more godly kings. And we're told, and um, we've got some various things going on in the chapters before. We're going to pick it up, though, in verse 1 of chapter 20. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the Moonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, you are, not, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they've lived in it and built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and didn't destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you've given to us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeril. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. 
Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Amen? What a story, eh? What a great story. So really, Jehoshaphat's in this position where he's um, God's king. God's established him over the nation of Judah and Israel. And suddenly, these great hordes are coming to attack. And it's a moment of fear, a moment of anxiety, a moment of uncertainty. And uh, you know, when we first came here to North London in 2006 to plant this church, we came with expectation. But really, let's be honest, 12 adults, 5 kids. We're going to take Camden and Islington. I mean, you know, I, do you know what I mean? It doesn't really mathematically work. It's like, man, you've you got hordes against you. You live right bang in the middle of a city that really is very different in terms of values from the kingdom of God. You wanted to establish something that flies right in the face of really what this city stands for. This city stands for self-exhortation. Self-confidence, self-improvement, self-help. We stand for self-denial <laughs> and Jesus being glorified. It's completely different. It's a different thing. We live in a city that is either militantly secular or just kind of spiritual, but just, you know, a little bit of this and a, and a little bit of that and mix it in and see what we get. We stand for Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. It's a completely different thing. I and mean, it's like we've got these kind of hordes coming and it's like, wow, okay, how are we going to overcome this? Well, there's some great lessons in this story and it's a kind of the story of where we've come from, but it's a story of where we're going because it's worked up till now. Let's keep doing it. Um, what are the things I want to look at today? The first is this, that um, their response initially is they get the report, the hordes are coming, what do they do? They pray. We're going to seek the Lord. That's the first thing. It's like, this is beyond us. We're going to seek the Lord. And um, that's, that's how the whole, the whole thing starts. This incredible success story. Don't you love a success story? But how does it start? Well, here, here, here it is. Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And they assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. From day one, we said as a church, we want to pray. We want to be a praying church. Okay? We want to give ourselves to prayer. From, from, from week one, we've had a corporate prayer meeting. Where we're going to get, so it started off, it used to be 8pm on a Sunday, Sunday night. Then it moved to about 6, then it moved to about 5. And now shock and horror, it's moved from a Sunday to a Tuesday to 7am. But we're still praying corporately once a week. And we will continue to do so. And prophetic words have been coming on the Tuesday morning. This is the engine room of the church. And I, just, I believe it is, you know. It's a unique time to be able to gather just for an hour corporately and get a hold of God. And we're going to continue to do that. Obviously, we're going to intensify it on the week starting the fourth. We say, come on, guys, we're going to gather and we're going to really go at it. And I want to call you to prayer. I don't want to just announce, we have a weekly prayer meeting. I want to call you to prayer and say, come and pray with us. You might just literally say, the, day, the timing is just wrong I have to work then or whatever. I want to say, fine. Find people in the church to pray with. Pray corporately. 
It's vital that you don't just pray alone. It's so good for you to pray corporately. And we need God's help, don't we? And I don't understand the thing between individual prayer, corporate prayer, what this two and three agree in and why there seems to be this kind of synergy. I don't understand it, but it's revealed, so I believe it. Okay? So some of those things that revealed, you think, I don't understand why, but it's there. So let's just believe it and walk in the good of it and enjoy the fruit of it. Pray. Let's be committed to praying together. It's hard, I know. That's why most of Jesus' parables on prayer were for the very purpose that they might not lose heart. Because you've got to dig in and go. But I want to just say, that's where these success stories start and they never move on from that. And the day a church moves on from prayer, really, you know, you can put a little title over the church called Ichabod. You know what that means? The glory has departed. The glory has departed. Because don't think we've got where we have by clever planning or good ideas. Because we haven't. We've got here by the grace of God. Just the first thing, seeking God. The second thing is this great line in verse 12. This is the king. Just imagine for a moment, right? This is your king. He says this. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow. You don't find that in the leadership books, do you? When in trouble, when under pressure, let those around you know this. You don't know what to do. You are entirely clueless. Don't do that. I, I need to just uh, let you in on something. Um, kind of like the last few years, there's, there's been this thing going on, which I've referred to every now and then, and it's basically this. You've been led by someone who's really had no idea what he's doing, and now you're being led by three. <laughs> it's just got bigger. It's the same kind of deal at its heart. Not in the sense that we don't, we don't know our Bible, we don't know what we believe. Yes, we do. But in order to, to come into all that God has promised... I don't know how it's going to happen. I've got no idea. And I wouldn't want to pretend to you that we do. And we just don't know. But our eyes are on him. Yeah? That, that's, that's where you should, at that point, go from uncertainty to confidence. So I want you to guys to know we, you know, we meet um, weekly as elders. And the first chunk of that meeting is given over to seeking God. Because we don't know what we're doing. We, we don't know. And so we need to hear him. Okay. So I want you guys to know that. Um, that's the deal. That's how it's been. And that is how it's going to be. Um, if the Holy Spirit stops leading us, we have no idea what to do. Okay. We've not got a default. We've not got a plan B. Um, but look at the result. Look at what happens as a result. We're told in the next verse, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. So they've obviously thought, well, the king doesn't know what he's doing. Why don't we gather to God? Great. Great. If we can have a church which gathers to God before it gathers to the elders, hallelujah! Isn't that good? That is healthy. That is, you should not be primarily gathered to the elders. You, 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 you should be supporting the elders and behind the elders. Why? Well, because God says to. Okay? And God, and God, God, God appoints elders. This is his plan. But it's because you're gathered to him that you do that. The beauty of the new covenant is that we're all priests. We all get to gather to God. We all get access to God. It's not like, you know, well, you can pray, but if you get one of the elders to pray for you, well, they get, they've got the access. No, we've all got access to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? So, so you gather to him. And, and a church that gathers to the Lord Jesus is a mature church and is a fruitful church. And we mustn't get into that, that old covenant mentality of go to the priest. No, Jesus is our great high priest. We get access to the Father through him. Yeah, so, so all the people gather, that's a great thing that we see there, um, first of all. 
And then we see the Spirit of the Lord comes on a guy and he starts prophesying. And it already kicks off from there. Jehoshaphat says, don't look to me, look to the Lord, because that's what I'm doing. Everyone does it. And then God starts moving, God starts acting. And incredible and beautiful things happen. It's a great moment. I don't think we'll ever be the church that's, that stands up and with, with the five-year plan and the zigzag line. I, I just don't think it's going to happen because I'd be making it up. Just be thinking, that looks pretty clever when people do that. Why don't I try? People might trust me more. You know, that's what will be going on. Okay? I just, I wouldn't. What we could have is like a, we could have a picture. Like this, we could, what we could do, we could have this zigzaggy line because it's always good to have a zigzaggy line. I'm with that. Okay? But at the start, at the bottom bit, what you've got, you've got us guys and we're sort of, we've got our arms around Jesus' ankle like that. Really desperate. And then at the top, we're doing the same. Okay? And then basically that's the story and then we get to glory. Okay? That's the plan. Is that all right? We'll do that for five years and then we'll, we'll do it some more. Okay? So you've got that now. So that's the vision. Okay? Praise God. Uh, number two. Number three, sorry. So we pray. We don't know what we're doing. Well, we follow him and he does. All right? He's got us this far. And um, it's all right. And, uh, and number three, uh, the, we're being responsive to the prophetic. You see, what happens is the people gather and then God speaks to one of the people that have gathered. He's, got, he's, he's, a, he's this guy called, I'm trying to work out what his name is because it tells us he's up to, everything up to his great-great-granddad. But the guy's Jehaziel and he, just, and he prophesies. He says, listen, just this little to you, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed um, about this great horde. The battle isn't yours, it's God's. He's bringing perspective, he's bringing clarity. And then God's going to give them to you. And, and, he's, and there's instruction and there's direction. And, and it, it just transforms the whole thing. And they respond straight away. It's like God, God has spoken, now we're going to do that. Yeah? There's a response to the prophetic. It's not just, oh, that's on prophecy, that's, that's a nice thing. It's like, no, there's instruction in there, that's what we're going to do, that's what we're going to get behind. And that must, I want to just stop for a moment and say, guys, we're, again, we're under a new covenant. By God's grace, we can all prophesy. It was so encouraging when I wrote that email the other week saying, guys, we're hitting some opposition. There's some hard times there. Within days, the three people have come back prophetically with just great, encouraging words. I've, obviously, I've attached them to this week's weekly update. You should, that should be in your inbox. Read it. But it's so encouraging. You think, wow, what an amazing thing to have a church that reads stuff like that, goes to prayer, Spirit of God comes on them, God speaks, they say, Thus says the Lord, yeah? Now, of course, you've got to weigh it and all of that, but, you know, we prophesy in part, I know, but I tell you, these words were great words, encouraging words, and we want to be responsive. I want to tell you some stories from the early days of being responsive to the prophetic, because I, I just, I honestly believe we are entirely shaped by the prophetic. We, what we are has come out of really just sort of trusting God. There was a really fun moment, right bang in the early days, which was, um, was fun, I don't know if it was fun for anyone at the time, but you look back and laugh. So basically, I... I I'm in the garden praying, God, you know, you know, the usual thing. God, uh, got a plant church, don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> what do we do? Uh, and was, was made aware of the fact that I had this staff in the garden, which is kind of fine. And, um, and then, you know, I'm kind of reading around the Bible and just seeking God and stuff. And uh, Moses, he's got a staff too, okay? Right, it's just some staff theme starts to come through. And uh, he does stuff with it, yeah? And I'm like... Okay, oh, fine. And then 
carry on. And then, uh, and then I read another story about uh, there's, there's a king and he visits Elisha, the prophet, and he's, gonna, he's got this big battle ahead. And, and Elisha says, oh, bang the floor with, your, with, with these arrows in your hands. So he bangs the floor, I think, three times. And Elisha's like, that's a shame. If you banged it five, you would have got a full victory. You're going to get half a victory. He's like, oh, you know. And there's, we've, got, we've got a banging sticks thing starting to come through and that. And then, and then uh, literally, I, I remember just being there and, and this thing coming together of just sensing the Holy Spirit saying, you need to, you need to, you need to do some stuff with that staff, some banging, if you want the victory. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, not staff banging. You know, I, I've, somehow, somehow, 11 adults have gathered to this. I need to show that I am trustworthy as a church leader. It's banging staffs. It's not in that. It's a different category. That's how you scatter a church. You know, I thought, God, please, th- this mustn't be you. And um, it really was a terrible dilemma. And we had a midweek meeting, and I thought, I've just got to tell the guys that I've got, we've got to bang the staff in Camden. And, uh, and I couldn't do it. I actually couldn't and didn't do it, because I just thought, I don't know what to say. And if, I, if someone asked me why, I don't know why. And there's no track record, and there's no history of anything going well. And it's like, ah! So, then, so we didn't do it. I, I didn't say anything. We just had a normal midweek meeting. And I'm sitting uh, in bed that night, uh, reading my Bible, we were thinking, and it's a story of Saul, who uh, fears men and not God. I'm wilting in the bed, getting lower and lower, reading it, thinking, this is me. Um, uh, so there and then I resolve, okay, that's it, I'm just going to do it. So the next week I say, guys, uh, we're going to go to Camden and we're going we're gonna to go in the middle of the road and we're going to bang this baby. Like there's no tomorrow. Who wants to come? So obviously gave some guys the option of staying behind and praying. So a few of us went out and we went right over to the lock and, uh, and the guys who came with me Stood in the middle of the road, stopped the traffic. There's people everywhere. Stopped the traffic. And I banged that baby on the middle of the road. N- not three times. Oh, no. No, sir. I banged it because I wanted the victory. And we went for it. And then we walked back to the house. And all of us thought, well, what was that about? We weren't quite sure. But what we knew was we'd, we'd put something into our DNA, which was reason isn't all. Obedience is all. And... It's in a very, God gave us a token of his favour on that very shortly afterwards. Because what had happened was, about two weeks before we, we did that, I'd read in the paper about a guy who got shot in a nightclub in King's Cross. And it was one of those moments where I just felt really burdened. It wasn't just, you know, I was like, man. I'm like, God, how do we reach into that world? What do we do, you know? And that left it at that. About five days after banging the stick, I'm walking past the very same spot where we'd done the stick thing five days before. I walked past this girl who stood outside a shop and she's got this handbag on and this little sort of padlock thing on her bag. I walked past and I feel good to say she's all locked up, right? And I'm like, Ooh. and I'm like, I can't. You know, all that, you know? I can't. And I was arguing with God, I'm walking slower and slower, you know, as the conviction drops in and then I turn around and I'm like, okay. Go back and I say, look, it's just going to sound really kind of funny and that, you know, but, but I just walked past it. I just felt like, I'm a Christian, I felt like God said to me, you're all locked up. You know, she starts sharing, she's the girlfriend of the guy who got shot in the club. Isn't that incredible? She's the very girlfriend of the guy who got... Sh- and you just think... Now, she didn't get saved then. We had a really great conversation and stuff. But to just be in that same spot five days after... Do you, know, you just know it's God saying, I'm with you. And, you, you know, it's a bit crazy some stuff. But I'm with you. Keep going. Keep going. I remember when God told us to go to two congregations. You know, it was like... Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> at the time, the guy, who over, the guy who oversaw us, his comment was, have you got a plan for if it all goes wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, no. 
Because you know, I'm thinking, I don't think when Peter got out of the boat, he was, you know, he didn't have his dinghy under his arm, did he? You go and step of faith. Do you know what I mean? I haven't got a plan if it goes for a course over. But I thought, you know, you got, so, okay, I went on, but, so I thought, well, be sensible. So I went on, you know, I've told you this before, I went on the website, someone who knows about, knows about multiplying congregations, you know, and he says, you've got to have these eight things in place, and you're sort of going through the list. I one out of eight. I'm like, oh, man, what am I doing? I went back to the guys and we said, oh, I think it's God, you know. And we, so we did it because we thought it was God. And it's been amazing, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been amazing. It's been incredible. And so many people have just grown and taken responsibility. And, you know, even the church itself has doubled in size. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. Now we're going, now we're going forward into one. Why? Well, God, we feel God said. Okay? Same. We just feel God said, so we're going to do it. And we trust it will be fruitful because of that. that, that but that's the value. That's what's got us this far. That's what's going to get us into the rest of the stuff. We respond to his spirit, even when we don't quite understand. Yeah? So we, we must remain, we must keep in that place. I want to say to you guys, please keep seeking God for the prophetic. In fact, the Bible uses a really strong word. It says, lust after the gift of prophecy. Don't lust, except after that. To lust means you want something so much, you almost lose your peace over it. You just want the thing. Hunger after the prophetic. Look to hear God. Look to hear him. And please, you know, when you hear stuff with the corporate, please share it. And we'll weigh it and, you know, we'll, you know, all that. But come on. We want to keep hearing the voice of God and the leadership of God, don't we? And that's one of the main ways that he, he does it. We believe in the prophetic. We're rooted in the, rooted in the scripture. Okay? When you're rooted in the word, you can have the prophetic and it's not a, it's not a dangerous thing. So anything that comes that contradicts that, we throw it out. Okay? This, this is the yardstick, the plumb line. Okay? But we're totally open the prophet. Like the early church, they knew the scriptures, and yeah, they knew the scriptures, but they needed the prophetic. Same as us. So, so let's keep doing that. Let's keep our faces in the river of God. Yeah, that, that's going to be the key to our success. Not clever, natural things, but that we would be with God. And people might look on at us and say, like they did with Peter and John, just natural, not normal, kind of unschooled men, you know, and they recognize they've been with Jesus because they were filled with the Spirit. Yeah? We might remain filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then I love this here. There's, what we see is that there's this um, part of the response here. Jehoshaphat, after the prophetic comes, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. So did the rest of Jerusalem and Judah. And then it says, the Levites, Kohathites, Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. We've always been loud. May it continue. May it continue. It, it's sometimes the holiest thing to do is be silent. Absolutely. Sometimes it's to shout your head off. Sometimes it's to raise a loud voice. And I want to just say, let's keep, let's keep in a place of robust worship. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep in that place in your own life. Don't, just, don't have too many quiet times without a few lo- loud times thrown in. <laughs> yeah? Don't, don't, you know, it's good. I love being quiet before God. I love just being still. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But it's also, there's many times where I have to just get hold of myself. Yeah? And declare and proclaim the wonders of who he is. And I think, you know, over the years, there's been so many comments, people visiting, saying it's just such freedom in the worship. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there should be freedom. And whenever you find you're not worshipping the Lord one way or the other because of what someone else might say, you're, I tell you, you're coming under something nasty, get out of it, because the Spirit of God wants to set you free. So you can really glorify Him with all that you are. Yeah? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus set us free so we might walk in the freedom, hey? He set us free from all the bad stuff that we might enjoy the freedom and enjoy, enjoy the liberty. It's a beautiful thing. We're, we're going to end in a moment with a little reflection on, on worship, just because I want to I put something into you that really hopefully stirs you. But before we do that, the final thing is faith. 
there's just this beautiful phrase that comes. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. Tom, Manchester, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Okay? Believe God. Believe him. Yeah? Believe his prophets and you will succeed. You want success? You should do. Godly success is a good thing. Believe the prophets. Be sensitive. What's God saying? Right, I'm running. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. We should be known by our faith. Let us be a church that is known that we believe God. We have one out of eight, but God said. Yeah? But God said. So overrules. Yeah? God says we go. God says we go. He says stop, we stop. Because he's the fruitful one. And you want to be fruitful, we do what he says. It's really quite simple. But it takes guts. Sometimes you don't quite know what's coming next. But you just say, no, God has spoken. We know that. We know that much. Next week's going to be all about adventurous faith, so I'll leave that for next week. But enough to say this, the result was the enemy was routed. We want to see that, don't we? The Bible says that at the cross, when Jesus died, all of the dark powers in this world, in the heavenly places, were disarmed. All the occult powers, all demonic powers, all powers of behind false religion, secularism, immorality and the things that just keep people locked up in sin the power of sin disarmed at the cross he has beaten them he has beaten them and really the church's role is to uh, walk in and bring about the victory that Christ has won on the cross and uh, we do that by following him we say Jesus you're the victorious one you've conquered sin and death on the cross you've died and you've rose again you've demonstrated your victory by rising from the dead you're alive today we're going to follow you into all the victory that you have for us. Okay? That's the plan. That's the plan. He will... He, some of you are sitting there, you've got, you got dreams and visions that you want to run with. I tell you, God will quicken it in its time. God will quicken it in its time. Think about Esther, who we sent off last week. God called her to Central Asia when she was, was it 14 or 16? And then God quickened it. And when he quickened it, the doors just flung open. God will quicken it in its, in its time. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus. Maybe you, you, you don't know this life of faith, this life we're talking about. It's, here, it's, a, it's like, what is it? What are these people gathered here for? Let me just say what it is. We live by faith. That's what we are. We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what is apparent in front of our eyes. Uh, God has, by his mercy, caused us to be born again. So we, we can see with the Spirit now. We can see what the Lord is doing. And... Um, and we're utterly convinced of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our eyes are on him and we're following him. That's what we are. And um, you can know the joy of that too. It's a risky adventure. <laughs> and you never really know what's going to happen next, even if you pretend you do. You don't. Um, but he is good. And he is faithful. And he promises that no one can snatch you out of his hand. And that he will never leave you or forsake you. What precious. We were singing that earlier. I was just singing that song and my heart was so warmed by that. He will never leave us. He will never leave us. What a wonder. What a wonder. What a wonder. For the Lord to assure some people that today, He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. What a promise. What a promise. And it was, it's like in Psalm 46, you know, it says, uh, and it's really quite shocking, really, what's going on in Psalm 46. It says, uh, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. You think, man, you, know, you think of sort of 
Japan and all that sort of scene over there and what's gone on. We will not fear. That the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. You think, why? How comes? Well, God is in the midst of her. Zion, she shall not be moved. God will help her. God, God will not leave you or forsake you. And everything around you may be tumbling down and crumbling. He won't leave you. And I want to end with just a little reflection on worship and, and praise. If you want to see the most uninhibited, uninhibited and passionate worship in the nation, where should you go? Do you think? I think you should go to a football stadium. Maybe a, maybe a concert. But I think, I think that's where you see real worship. You see passion. You see unity. You see people using their bodies to worship. You see spontaneous songs. This starting and everyone picking it up. It's glorious actually. It's just a real shame that what they're worshipping isn't the Lord. It's a real shame. It's, you know, God doesn't need our pity. I know that. And yet I can't help but feel sad for uh, the anthems that rise up and they're not to him. They're to nothing, really. Um, and I want to say as a church that surely our praise should, as the days and years go on, increasingly drown out those idolatrous songs. Surely. Surely the passion should strip that. I mean, imagine if, you, imagine if you're someone who was half-hearted about football. You were, you were on the fence and five of your Arsenal mates invited you along. Come on! Imagine if when you got there with them, they all started thinking, oh, look, we've, we've brought someone here. He's not quite sure. Maybe we better just turn it down a bit because we don't want to kind of give him the wrong impression, you know. We better just sit here too and just kind of, you know, you know cool. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. They wouldn't do that, would they? What would they do? They, get, they just get caught up in the euphoria and the atmosphere. And really their friend has to make his decision, doesn't he? He either says, no, why, you lot are crazy. Or he says, oh, yeah, I'm in. But that's with him. The friends do what they came to do. Worship the Lord. And our worship is not primarily for the believers or for the unbelievers. It's for the Lord. And we want to honour him with that. And so I want to encourage as we gather back now, just to, let's, let's, let's raise a loud voice to the Lord, shall we? As we gather for the coming weeks all together let's raise an even louder voice to the Lord shall we let's, let's, give, him, let's give him all that we are let's worship with our bodies um, feel free to start a spontaneous song we'll pick it up and join in with you yeah, yeah if it's about Jesus anyway okay if it's for the king you know, no I will survive you know um, so <laughs> it's not going to work let's, let's stand to our feet shall we band are going to come back and let's praise him. We're going to take the bread and the wine. Our last time together in this venue is this congregation. Let's take it with a thankful heart. Let's take it grateful for all that God has done with us over the last couple of years together. Amen.